This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. Now, how many of you have ever taken a history class? Can I see a round of hands? Okay. Now, no offense to people who just love history. I've taken some history classes before, and I remember thinking to myself, I mean, this is like ancient information. I mean, will I ever really use it? Is it ever going to be relevant to me? I mean, after all, it's just history. Now, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines history as a chronological record of significant events as affecting a nation or institution, often including an explanation of their causes. Now, regardless of your political affiliations, the inauguration of President Barack Obama, our 44th president, on January 20, 2009, was a significant event affecting the nation and our institution of democracy. As the definition of history stated, there is typically some explanation of the causes. So let's start there. For the interest of time, I'll only take you back to 2008. So 2008 and it's election time. I had the awesome privilege of taking my then 85-year-old grandmother to early vote. See, my grandmother didn't always have the right to vote. She was born in the South, and there were added obstacles placed before minorities when it came to voting. There were requirements of literacy testing, English fluency, and others. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 removed these obstacles from federal, local, and state government. I mean, I had heard about it. I had read about it. But at that very moment, standing in that booth with my grandmother, I realized I was moving from history to my story as she loudly said, I'm only voting for one person, and I'm done. (laughs) On November 4th, 2008, Obama wins. Well, we all know the story from there, but you haven't heard my story. My sister and I, we were on the phone talking late that night, and we jokingly said we should go to the inauguration. We had no idea that we were going to take that very conversation and turn it into reality. So we started to look around for flights, I mean, things were either sold out or so astronomically priced. We looked at train fares. It was too costly. We thought about driving, but we had decided to take my two nieces who were the same age as President Obama's children. That was going to be too long of a drive. My sister had family and friends in Norfolk. They said, hey, you guys can come on down and stay with us. Norfolk, Virginia, here we come. We booked our flights. And see, during this time, the White House had set up an official inauguration team. See, the president was tech savvy. He had introduced social media to the election, and the White House used those same venues and devices. I was checking emails. I was responding to text messages. I was even on Facebook. Yes, me. I was on Facebook checking information. As we were getting all the information, I had to respond back to my sister. So everything I got, I let her know, and then she let the team in Norfolk know. Well, see, by then, we were a team because this was serious business. We had so many emails going back and forth that we had dubbed the subject line as Operation Inauguration. I mean, this was official business to us. So by now, there were seven of us going to the inauguration. Hold on. Wait a minute. We can't all fit in one car. So we'll have to rent a minivan once we got to the airport 
in Norfolk and pick it up. Thank goodness we thought about that early enough. It was so many details to work out. We had more communication from the White House. The crowds were expected to exceed one million people. Oh my goodness, what can we do about that? We can't get separated, we can't get lost no matter what happens. Operation inauguration emails were going back and forth, flying everywhere. Let's dress alike. We can wear the same clothes or the same colors or something like that. More Operation Inauguration emails going on. T-shirts. Let's have T-shirts made large enough that we can put on the outside of our coats and then we can all be identified. I bet you can't guess what was on the T-shirts. Operation Inauguration. There you go. Flights in place. Check. Rental car reserved. Check. T-shirts ready. Check. Weather report problem. It had been predicted that the weather was going to be exceptionally cold. I mean, the wind chills were going to be in single digits. This was a major concern, more pressure on our part. Okay, so now we're just planning for a ski trip. We can handle this. Hand warmers, check. Ski pants, ready. More communication from the White House. The roads and the bridges were going to be closing down the night before. Oh my goodness, where are we going to park the minivan that we're going to rent if there's no place to park? Okay, no problem. We're coming from Norfolk. We'll catch the metro in. More information from the White House. It's the map of the D.C. inauguration area. The metro train is only going to be allowed to go as far as the capital area. So we'll have to get off at the first stop and we're going to have to walk a nice long distance. I printed the map. We'll have to discuss this when we get to Virginia. Our flight to Norfolk went off without a hitch. I mean, we were on a flight with a high school band from California who was marching in the parade. They told us, of course, about their plight and their fundraising of how they had to go through things to get there. Now, these students weren't old enough to vote, but they had a story. They had done bake sales and car washes and other things to raise the money. We finally arrived at our destination and we were so excited. I mean, we were happy to see our family and our friends. We reminisced about the old times. But very soon, we got back down to Operation Inauguration business. I mean, remember the map? We were sitting down at the table having a full-blown ops meeting discussing the map. It was only fitting because we stayed at a Navy man's house. After we were talking, we had to purchase food to take with us because we knew in advance that we would be outside for hours. I mean, we had been told that people without bags wouldn't be searched, so we could keep going through the process. We would only take food that would fit inside our coats. <laughs> Lunchables for everybody then. As we purchased gas the next morning, as we were getting ready for the day, we were in line behind the gentleman who started up a friendly conversation with us. He asked if we were going to the inauguration as well. We excitedly said yes except for my youngest niece. She said nothing. She stayed quiet. He began to tell us about the last time that he was in D.C. was for the March on Washington in 1963. There had been no reason for him to return until now. The march where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave the now famous I Have a Dream speech was to demand passage of meaningful civil rights legislation. I mean, I had heard about that. I had read about that. And if anyone's wondering, I was not born then. I had heard that speech so many times. And then he looked us right in the eyes and he said, 
that we were living history at that very moment. I mean, the emotions were running everywhere. We had to do everything to keep it all in. We had little to no sleep the night before as we were getting ready to head out. I mean, who could sleep anyway? So we made the drive from Norfolk to Springfield, Virginia, which was the first available metro stop. Everyone out of the car to line up for a train that wasn't coming for two hours. We had to purchase the Metro Pass after we figured out how to use the, the machine. The pass is how much? Are you kidding me? Well, we got over the sticker shop when we realized that it had a commemorative photo of President Obama on there that we could keep. So we're in line with the jacket full of Lunchables that added about 10 pounds to everybody, and we were so excited. In a very commanding and booming voice, the conductor said, all aboard. We scurried into the cars. It was so much diversity getting onto that train. I mean, it was racial, age, gender, religious, sexual orientation, and political diversity. How do I know that? A lady told me that she was a Republican who had voted for President Obama. I mean, people were standing around, and no one was demanding my seat. I speak of this because in 1955, December 1st to be exact, Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, and she was arrested. This led to a year-long boycott and the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that it was unconstitutional for segregation on public buses. I mean, I knew the story. I had read about it, but her actions allowed us the freedom to sit. From history to my story. The last stop and everyone was out. It was completely dark except for the street lights. I mean, we were pouring out from every door, not truly knowing where to go. Yeah, we had the map, but all of those plans went to the wayside. We walked. We saw camera crews setting up. We even got stopped by a local reporter who wanted to know the story about those Operation Inauguration T-shirts. We told him our story quickly, and we kept moving forward. As we were walking, we saw another reporter. He was talking to an elderly woman that was in the wheelchair. She was wrapped from head to toe in an Obama blanket. The predicted cold weather had come true. See, this was the one time in which we wanted the weather reporter to be incorrect, but not this time. She insisted on being there. Her daughter tried to get her to not come. We could not hear what the lady was saying to the reporter, but the fact that she was there was story enough for us. We did more walking. We were getting just a little closer. I mean, how much further could we go? Jumbo tries and oh my gosh, porta potties galore. I mean, later we would find out that every state had sent over as many porta potties as they could. And I'm not just talking about any kind of porta potty. I mean, nice, roomy porta potties with the little sinks and the hand sanitizer. Now, believe you me, it was appreciated because we would be standing outside for over 12 hours. We decided to post up directly across the jumbotron with a tree and by the porta potties. Remember that Navy man? He told us if anything went wrong, that we should put the kids in the porta potty for a stampede. Now, luckily, none of that came to pass, but that was smart thinking on his part. Sun was finally fully up. We were taking it all in, and all of a sudden, we look up. There were two people in black walking back and forth with rifles never seeming to stop. Had we made it so close that we were amidst the sharpshooter range? Oh, yes, we had. 
I mean, really, we had gotten close, and it was estimated that it was 1.8 million people there. Did I mention the weather predictions had come true? We were freezing. The jumbotrons were filing on, and everyone went excited. The area photos were shown, and you could see all the diversity and the many people all the way beyond the water in the pool. It was showtime. We had been out there talking on the phone to our families and friends, but putting our phones in our pockets to warm them up so they wouldn't freeze. The crowd goes crazy as the president comes out to be seated. As the songs are being sung and the poetry being read, the people were so excited and we were still moving around. The official swearing-in begins. It's complete silence. I could hear a faint cry coming somewhere from my left, but I turned not to look at that person because I knew that they had a story too. See, I thought about my trip just two short days prior to that coming from the south side of Chicago. I had come by plane, train, and automobile, and I had endured the harsh weather. But then I thought about people who had sacrificed things before me as well. I mean, I thought about Emmett Till, the black teenager from Chicago who was killed in Mississippi because he whistled at a white woman. Many say that this event was a pivotal turning point to the civil rights movement. His services had been held at my grandmother's church, Robert's Temple, also on the south side of Chicago, and even closer to President Obama's home in High Park. See. I had heard all those stories. I had read them. But now it's no longer just history to me. It's my story. And as quickly as the swearing-in started, it had ended. Our journey home was quiet and somber. We met a gentleman in the airport as we were walking through, and we were displaying our flags that we had gotten at the inauguration, and he asked us where we were coming from. Remember my niece who said nothing in the convenience store? She turned to him and she excitedly said, we were coming from the inauguration. You see, she had a story as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.